This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. We are finishing a series on God's burden bearers. We also have a communion that we're going to take outside um, after the service and just really trust the Lord that we'll all be able to enter into the rest of the Lord. And that's what we've been speaking about. I have a statement here. It says, we will never change the world by going to church. We will only change the world by being the church. Okay. A lot of times we say, I'm going to go to church on Sunday, but that's not biblical. We are the church. And we're just celebrating on Sunday what God has done through the week. We're celebrating fellowship and community. And so for the past couple of weeks, our main theme scripture was this in Matthew 11, where God, Jesus invites everyone to come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you a rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It amazes me that God almighty sovereign that doesn't need anything would humble himself to such a place where he says i want to work with you to see my kingdom come whoa (laughs) but here the invitation is and it starts with come he says come bring the burdens that the world has and i want to exchange it for another burden it's called the calling the will of god the yoke of god and so we sometimes as christians or people in a christian nation A lot of people profess they're Christian, but it doesn't mean they have a relationship with Jesus and with the Father, intimate relationship. And they come to exchange, you know, and they come to bring their burdens to the Lord. And when there's no rain, then we have a prayer meeting for rain. And when we're in in worries or need, then we come to God. And so God is always gentle. He's he's humble and, and he will exchange those burdens. But there's something deeper in God's heart is God wants to give you his burden. But he says it's not a burden like the world that weighs you down. It's actually a burden. Once you enter into that burden, you take up that burden, you'll enter into his rest. And he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Wow. You know? He says it's, it's like yoking together with God. You know, it's like coming together with God. It's like an like a, a, a amazing place. And he says, I will give you rest when you get there. It's like you've been made for this. And a lot of Christians today... They are depressed, anxious, just so much weight, so much cares of the world. It's simply because they don't know the will of God for their lives. But you will be so unfulfilled. There's just so much more to do what God wants you to do. You know? And so in these four weeks, we having like lots of camps. And it was the young adults camp. And last night, the first student camp started. And it was just so amazing. You know, last, we, we, we were talking last yesterday morning about agreement and forgiveness some of the things i'll be sharing this morning and and you could see people just unburdening themselves and so last night when once people just repented and is forgiven and just exchanged those burdens it was just the most amazing time where we just had worship for lying on the floor and just worshiping the lord you know for a long time and you could just see people stand up in the righteousness of jesus and that's god's invitation that there's a there's a place for you in the kingdom of god and, um, and he says, come, I, I want to yoke together. And so we've been talking about a lot of different people. And so over the past couple of weeks, we spoke about Amos. In the evening, we spoke about Nehemiah, then Joshua. 
And then last Sunday night about Daniel. And this morning we're going to look a bit at a command that Jesus gave the disciples. And then tonight we're going to finish off with Peter. Loud mouth Peter, okay? Um, all people that were very different, but they had different callings, different burdens that they would carry. Amos would come and bring Israel back because it was a time of prosperity. And he just said, bring your hearts back to the Lord. Nehemiah had a burden to restore the the walls around Jerusalem. You know, Joshua had a burden to lead the people into the promised land. Daniel had a burden to, to just tell people, don't compromise, stand strong. That's our theme for the year, stand strong. You know, Those who stand strong will do great and mighty exploits. Those who know their God will stand strong and do great and mighty exploits. And um, this morning we're going to talk about this group of fishermen, the disciples. They also received a burden, but it was a yoking together. You know, with God, and it's the yoking of the Holy Spirit, because they wanted they wanted to yoke with Him for the kingdom of God. You know, and so a lot of people say, "Hey, what's the will of God?" It's just simply it's to see His kingdom come and to glorify God. <laughs> you know, sometimes I, I I used to bug God and say, "Lord, give me the forty different things I need to know so that I can be more obedient." But it's simply glorify God through everything you do, and see His kingdom come. And go and make disciples. Whoa. It is actually, there's so much of God's revealed will already in scripture that you actually don't need to pray about. You know, some, some, a guy came to me a couple of years ago and he says like, oh, I really need to pray about whether I should get baptized. I say, you don't need to pray about whether you should get baptized or not. Just the scripture says, get yourself baptized. Oh, is that hard? No, no, it's the command. Jesus said it. So you don't need to pray about something that is in scripture. I mean, <laughs> Ooh, now people think like, whoa, but just read the Bible. It's as simple as that, you know. Is that harsh? No, it's scripture, <laughs> you know. So some people pray for 10 years, you know. And I realize there's sometimes there's circumstances and you have to position yourself, but hey, just do scripture and it will work. <laughs> do God's command. There's some stuff. He says, love one another. It's, it doesn't say like, think about or pray about loving one another. He says, hey, love one another. Forgive one another. It's many times in a command form. Um, but these days, the, the church has changed the Ten Commandments to the Ten Suggestions. Do you like my shirt? Okay, this is the closest I'm going to get to prosperity gospel. There's even, there's even gold in there, did you see? It's an Indonesian shirt. It's getting worse every week, I know. But so, I just have to fulfill the promises. But there's gold in here. It shines when the light, you should see it in the evening. But so, but don't worry, I'm not preaching... Nigerian prosperity or anything like that. Okay, so let's get into the scripture for this morning, Matthew 18. So the most powerful tool that God has given us here on the earth as believers together or in your marriage is the power of agreement. And the devil will, will work in every way to get you distracted, to get you to have a hardened heart, to have unforgiveness in your life. Because... He robs us then of walking together with somebody. Amos said it, you know, how can two walk together unless they agreed? And there's a lot of people that firstly, they, they don't know, what should I agree with? But your agreement with God, that, that's where it starts. The power of agreement is the power of synergy. That's actually the word where synergio or symphony comes from. It's an orchestra playing together. And once you have that orchestra, I'm going to show you a clip at the end, it's, it's like everyone comes to add his bit and then you have this amazing kingdom of God coming. But we are being set up from a young age to be individualistic in our culture. 
We are set up from a young age to fight for survival. And more than ever in families where families are broken down, divided, divorced. There's just so much stuff because the devil goes for the family structure. He tries to redefine family. Because he knows if there's division, there can be no agreement. And so Jesus thought into this when Matthew 18, he starts, and I wish we had like four hours, but we'll only take three today. In Matthew 18, lock the doors. Okay, Matthew 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, now let's be honest. We all like human, and that's what I love about scripture. (laughs) Scripture tells us what happened. Scripture did not pick picture this oh the amazing 12 that walked on cloud nine every morning and oh you know they drank tea with seven angels some with 20 then they went you know these were just ordinary fishermen that had no front teeth and they were just like well what is in it for me you know (laughs) i don't know what is in it for me you know i don't i don't know you know we once went to the super tube there in what was that codini you know and there was this this tunny that went down the super tube and then when she she went down. She just came into the super tube. All her false teeth went out. You know? And then she got out of the water. She said, what's my tongue now? You know, where's my teeth? Where's my teeth? You know, and we just, all the kids just started to laugh. It was one of the embarrassing moments because they had to stop the whole super tube to get the teeth out of the, the you know? So, so the, these fishermen were probably like, where's my teeth? Where's my teeth? You know, but so here they come. They surround Jesus and they say, Okay, let's, let's settle business. Who is the greatest? Who's going to sit on your left hand? Who's going to sit on your right hand? Let's rumble these Romans, you know. Let's just get them down and we're going to, you know. And then Jesus begins to tell them a couple of things. Because they missed the whole point. It wasn't about greatness. It wasn't about you shining and that one shining more and a competition. So he begins with the story and he says, Then Jesus called a little child to, to set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, let's start with the beginning. You need to be born again. And once you're born again, you need to become like children. I read stats in this week of the... Highest atheist societies or countries. They did a massive research. And China is on top of the list. You know, I can't remember the exact stats of how many people in China. Because of obviously the the, um, communism and all that stuff. But then at the end of this thing they had quite quite interesting stats. And they said that 74% of people under the age of 19 believe there is a God. Only 30% of people over the age of 50 believe that there is a God. So why do young people believe there is a God, but older people don't? It's just because of critical things in their life or hurt or pain. But a child believes, and that's what Jesus says. If you want to come, be converted, but then you need to learn to become like children, to believe like children. To have faith, that freedom. (laughs) So Jesus then took this child and put it on his lap and says, verse 4, Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So he says, humility is the key. Humility, humility, humility. Whoever receives one little child, this in my name receives me, who causes one of these little ones to believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck 
And he were drowned in the late depth of the sea. His brother is trespassed. For he who forgives his brother is trespassed. Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come. But woe to that man by whom the offense comes. So he talks about being born again. Then he talks about humility. And then he talks about this big issue of offense. Now if you want to move to agreement. Because that's what Jesus wanted these disciples. Now Jesus was not a chauvinist. Because he just chose a group of 12 men. But he, but he knew that if he could impart. If he could plant something. If he could teach them. To come to that place of agreement, the world will change forever because of the gospel. And that's why he would teach them on these things. They missed it completely most of the time. But eventually when the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit could breathe on those seeds that were planted in their hearts. And so yeah, he talks about, hey, you must be born again. You can't, you know, it's like sleeping in a garage does not make you a car. Coming to church does not make you a Christian. You have to be born again and you have to become like children. These are attitude of I want to learn I want to grow I want to humble myself but then he says hey when you in this process beware of offending others and especially young believers there's a lot of things and hurt or stuff you can work through and learn a lot of stuff but don't cause offense to others you know so a guy asked me the other week hey, so like hey I just go to the pubs you know because I I don't drink that much, you know, when I stand in the pubs. I say, I don't have anything against wine. I don't have anything against that stuff. But hey, if you want to be a Christian, why do you cause others to stumble? Jesus says, it's better that a millstone is hung around your neck. Because that guy in that pub doesn't know how many beers you have. Imagine I'm standing here in the foyer on a Sunday morning drinking a beer. Oh, but it's non-alcoholic. See, I want to live a life different, a different life. I want to live a standard to glorify Jesus through everything I do. And that's why it says, beware that you don't cause any offense. And then he goes on, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life, lame or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet, to be cast into the everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye, rather than having two eyes, to be cast into hellfire. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, the angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not have the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is staying, straying? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoiced more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. So he, he begins to talk about, because we're moving to this place of he's teaching them in Matthew 18, how do we come to the place of agreement? The most powerful tool we have he says, well, you're not going to have that if there's not an atmosphere of accountability and compassion. You know, a lot of people are very passionate. And I love what Reinhard Bunker says. He says, passion without compassion breeds fanaticism. Passion without compassion breeds fanaticism. Then we're just radical. Because there's a lot of radical people in the world. But if it's not out of a place of compassion we'll miss God and that's why love creates a trust environment but you cannot have love and a trust relationship if an environment if there is not accountability and this is where most people want to walk away I want to have an individual life and I don't want to be accountable to anybody else well not to God first but especially not to other people so we grow up isolated and it's not that God has an issue with you being isolated or you just maybe being an introvert or whatever. 
But he's thinking like, hey, I want you to learn the power of agreement. I want you to come together that whatever you ask will be done. But you being robbed and your culture and my culture is robbing us, you know. And that's why, do you know, the fastest growing church in the world today is in Asia and the Middle East and Africa, up Middle Africa. And the only reason for that is because they live in community. The West, the church is declining because we're individualistic in our pursuit of God. We many times have a Western Jesus. And then it's, we're just based on the natural. Provide for me, prosper me, help me. I pray for you when I need you. But for the rest, Sunday I'll take you out, you know. And so, so our whole culture does not bring us into a closer intimacy with God because a lot of people think like, I can just have my deep intimate relationship with Jesus and that's where it starts. But Jesus taught him, it's connected. It's connected. Love the Lord your God, then love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. You know? So God has called us to this place of community and accountability. And accountability is not nice because it means you and I have to walk in the light. And I want to encourage everyone, you must have at least one other person that you can be accountable to. Somebody that you can be open with, that knows your life, knows your shortcomings, and they can look you at a mile and say, hey, Stop. Self-pity is not from the Lord. You're throwing a tantrum again. Now, now I used to throw tantrums sometimes, but my wife was in the army, so I don't get away with it around her. She just says, get up, that's just a flu. And I thought, Armageddon is coming, I'm dying, you know? But just a tip for all the single people, if the guy has flu, he's almost dead, okay? But that's why he doesn't bring children into the world, Okay? Because ladies' pain threshold is much more. Okay, some of the married ladies just looked at the men and say, okay. Okay, so but in any case, let's just move right along. So God wants us to move in a place of accountability and compassion. Yeah, because that compassion brings a freedom. That compassion is, is like, wow, it is a trust relationship with real compassion. But when you are, account, you cannot have compassion without accountability. Because if I really love you, we're going to walk together in the truth. And this is what Jesus would, sometimes with his disciples, they would have these meetings and then he would sort this one out right in front of all the rest. <laughs> and then he would be truthful and say, no, 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 get behind me, Peter. Get, get behind me, Satan. You know, there, there was a lot of confrontation. Now, how many of you are not good at confrontation? I'm, I'm not good at confrontation. I want to pray the situation away and then the elephant grows and then the elephant multiplies and it just grows more and more, you know? But I'm learning these days is like, hey, if you really love somebody, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Don't just love. Speak the truth in love. Why? Because you're fighting for agreement. You want to get to what Jesus promised you. And especially in your marriage. The devil wants you to always question somebody's motive. He wants to question that person's heart. Wants you to, to move in a place where you're just like, no, no, you know. But that's not true. So let's go on with that scripture. My computer just went like all over the place and started to say like install the next windows. I don't know why, where that came from, but hallelujah. It's the angels working while we're busy. Okay, so. So verse 12, what do you think if a man has a hundred sheep? Okay, so we read that. Let's, let's just go on. Are you all still with me? Okay, sorry you can't have the shirt, okay? It's from Indonesia. So I'm just putting it out there because some people are looking at my shirt if you want it, but you can't have it. Okay, so even so, verse 14, 
It is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the word, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. So Jesus is setting the stage for agreement and what God wants you to walk in. He's, he's coming to that place where you are sure it's not just about you and your little will with God and you trying to be a nice Christian, but when the church can come into agreement to God's purposes for this town, it will happen. All God is looking for is looking for agreement. But sometimes, I don't know if you've been in an intercession prayer meeting and then this one prays like this, then that one prays like, everyone just like prays all over the place, you know. And you realize like, no, 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 we're not agreeing because everyone's contribution is... They think their contribution is it. Or sometimes people just withdraw. They don't bring your contribution because they get intimidated by other people. And this is what the series is about. is so that you can yoke together. First agree with Jesus concerning that yoke. But then he's calling us as the believers in this town to yoke together with him. And he says, whenever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of you. Wow, what a promise. God's presence in the midst of And then we learn to agree because prayer is simply hearing God's voice, hearing what he's saying and then agreeing with what he's saying. Prayer is not our contribution that we just bring to God and say, oh, let's stir God because God is really asleep, you know. God is really actually not awake. Prayer is agreement with what heaven says, agreement with his word. And that's what I love about, you know, some of these songs that we sing. It's scripture that we sing. You know, a lot of the new songs, you know, you, you've probably noticed that we changed all the songs. We've taken out all the I and the me's because it's not biblical to sing like that. We're singing us, even if it doesn't rhyme, you know. Us and we, because that's what Jesus taught, our father. He didn't say my father. And we rob from that because many times in the West we have a humanistic gospel. It's just my relationship with Jesus. And that's where it starts. Be connected in the vine. Be intimate with him. Know God in your personal time. But there's so much more when we come together in agreement. And this is what Jesus thought. He says, come, whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loosed. But you need to have the right environment in which I can bring my fullness. He says, because then I'm going to be in the midst of you, wherever you come together. So is it just on a Sunday morning when we come together? No, it's when you sit around there. Lunch table and a dinner table, you've come together in his name. Then you pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. You see, because we become so religious, even as charismatic Christians, because we pray this prayer, and I've said it over the past couple of weeks. If there's one thing you remember, remember this. Don't pray, Lord, please be with us. Say, Lord, I thank you that you are with me. Because my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, so wherever I go, The Holy Spirit is with me. When I come together with other believers, God is there. So I acknowledge his presence, but I don't pray for him to please be with me because I can't add God to my life. I'm invited to be part of his life. 
And so he is in the midst of us. And he says, when you then learn that agreement, and that's why small groups are so important. That's why when we get together, it's not just about us, each one have being an individual coming together and say, oh, I don't like this guy, you know. That guy, you know, he's really not like my type, you know, so I'd rather stay away. You're actually being robbed from a blessing. That's what I love about the church, you know. There's about 10 different countries People from 10 different countries and different races and different cultures. What I see in front of me is not supposed to work according to standard, you know. Because you know what many churches do is rather like, let's just have a white church, let's have a corner church, let's have a black church, let's have a this church. Because we draw back into our culture. But then you're robbed. You're robbed from the power of agreement. Because if you just operate in the flesh with Jesus, your relationship with him will always be fleshly. But we are, we are natural flesh, we are soul, and we are spirit. And I told the students on the camp, I said, if you start in that relationship with that girlfriend, and you just kiss her, blow, you know, I don't know what that is in English, you know, if you, you just think like, oh, I'm going to fray this girl, you know, I'm going to, you know, she loves Jesus, but, but we're just going to urge to merge, I don't know what you call it, but you, we're going we're gonna to just like, you know. And so you, well, she loves Jesus, you know. She, she, she's really connected to Jesus, but you know what? I like her body, you know. And so now you come in there, and now do you know what happened? Immediately your relationship starts only on a natural place. And you set the standard for the rest of your life that the natural comes first. But withhold the natural and see how you grow. By getting to know that person for who they really are. And sure, then there's the spiritual. When God comes into the relationship. That's really because we are body, soul, and spirit. And you and I have to choose. Are we going to have a relationship with God just based on the natural? He provides for me. He doesn't. He's good for me. I feel good. Or are you going to have a relationship with the Lord based on spirit connecting with spirit? Oh, then it's agreement. Because then you walk by faith, you don't walk by sight. You walk in another dimension with God. Why? Because you're seated with Jesus in heavenly places. And then you learn real authority. So I want to I challenge us, but encourage us to go and read the rest because we, we don't have time this morning. But the last part that Jesus talks about, after he said, hey, this is so powerful that we agree Whatever you, when you come to that place, when you've created this environment of love, compassion, accountability, and you're open in your life and you've make sure like, hey, work through the offenses. Because each one, I wish we had time to go to every person here. You, have, you probably got offended some or other time by church or by a leader or by somebody. Maybe it's a school teacher. And the first thing we want to do is we want to withdraw. We want to say, okay, no, 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 no. I've got a reason not to live an open life. And maybe you have reason, but then you're being robbed from agreement with God and with others. And that's his invitation. He says, come, I want you to learn when you yoke with me that power to agree with me, with my word, but then also with others. And then, it, then it's unstoppable. <laughs> and so Jesus then goes on and he, and he talks about this issue of forgiveness. Because the issue of the heart, the number one thing that keeps people out of the fullness of God is unforgiveness, bitterness. 
is when we don't forgive like God has forgiven us because, hey, there's not a freedom. And, and unforgiveness is simply, when, when there's unforgiveness in my heart, it means that I withhold a blessing from somebody or somebody that has a right over my life, I still give them control over my life. But forgiveness is this amazing thing. I have this ability to give somebody a gift, to set them free and to set myself free. Because as long as there's unforgiveness in your life, that person still has a hold over your life. And a lot of people today are sick because of unforgiveness. A lot of, a lot of people today are depressed because of unforgiveness. And when you talk about them, they just, they just don't, want to, don't want to go there. And where does unforgiveness come from? It comes from broken relationship. Somebody that you should have walked together with, but that person through some way just started to hurt you. And now you withdrew and you start to get your heart heavy. And so that is what church is about. Taking us through the processes of trust, relationship, all of that stuff. But the reason for that is God wants you to walk in his world, to yoke with him. Can I get an amen? It's getting very quiet, okay? Let me read. You can read Matthew 18, all the rest, because we're running out of time a little bit. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, now this is the disciples. Jesus taught them on these principles a lot of times. Going to read about it. Don't just read little bits of scripture. Read the whole chapter. Find out what the context is. And then in Acts chapter 1, Jesus has resurrected. He's coming back and now again. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? The disciples didn't learn. And, and we sometimes like just like that. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? At least now not they're saying, Lord, who's the greatest of all of us? But he says, Jesus, you've resurrected. You've got all this power, but sure. Restore the kingdom. Let's rumble these Romans. Are you going to do it now? Now that you've resurrected, you've conquered death, are you going to do it now? <laughs> and then Jesus says, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me. It doesn't say you shall do witnessing. It says you shall be witnesses. The word for power is the word dunamus, dynamite. It's not a little shovel. It's, it's, it's not a little candle. It's dynamite. That's what Jesus said. <laughs> you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. He's talking about your immediate environment. He's talking about across the railway line. He's talking about the country or the other groups all over. He says, to the uttermost ends of the earth, you shall receive power to go. But a lot of Christians, because of cultural Christianity, we're trapped and we've never realized God has called me to agree with some other people. First in my marriage, because that's where it starts. That's the one institution that God has put out to represent him on earth and then through the church. The church and, and marriage is the only two institutions of bodies that can really bring God's glory. God never just calls an individual. He uses individuals, but he calls a group of people. And so this was his promise. And just one chapter later, listen to this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now that command, just in chapter 1, 500 people were standing there. Only 120 made it to the upper room. The other 380 got lost. 
distracted, afraid because the circumstances probably didn't suit them. Maybe they were just natural and emotional Christians. But 120 made it to the upper room. And the Bible says when they were in one accord. Now, I, I've been there in the upper room with um, Angus. We went to visit there and we just stood there for an hour. It's a little room there in Jerusalem. You can ask Donnie. They've gone there many times. Donnie, sorry. It's a little room. I imagine 120 people staying there for a lot of days. It was not comfortable. <laughs> no. Issues came to the front. <laughs> They were afraid. The doors were locked. When Jesus appeared, the doors were locked. They were afraid. It wasn't like a comfortable, hey, let's drink pineapple drinks here in the upper room and wait till Jesus comes. You know? Oh, no, 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 no. It's not, it's not cappuccinos anymore. It's cortados, you know, because the cortado has a more froth in the bubbles than the bubbles in the froth. You know, I don't, I don't know that people, it's like, but so they were in one accord in one place. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. God wants to send a sound from heaven over a group of believers that are in one accord, in one place. They weren't in 50 different places. They were in one place. As of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each one of them. God has got a lot of respect for our individuality because we're all different. There wasn't just one tongue that sat on all of them. There was a tongue for every person. But they had to be in one place. They had to be in one accord. And there's yet, in the modern, in the last hundred years, a group of people that has been prospered by God to actually realize, like, sure, the reason why God has prospered us, especially in the West, is so that we can come to one accord. But most revivals so far just came out of pressure and fear and persecution. Because God is not the problem, we are. But there's yet a group of people that says, Jesus, we want it the biblical way, I mean. And so, so I want to encourage you to think of what are those distractions? What are those environments? Maybe it's unforgiveness in your life. Maybe it's stuff in your life that's keeping you from agreeing with the will of God on your life. Keeping you from yoking together with him. And that's the invitation. And I know it's like, ah, yeah, this is not so comfortable. You know, I don't like, but get rid of everything that is causing division. And that's why Paul later wrote so intensely. He says, look here, if you go to confront somebody, we saw it in that scripture as well. Just kick the guy out of church, he says. <laughs> because the power of divisiveness, of division. He says, it, Paul wrote about it later and says, Yo, don't, don't even eat with that guy. Because we underestimate the power of division. I'm not saying we're going to do that, okay, you at the back there, get out, you know. <laughs> but we, even as church, we're so afraid to talk about church discipline and confrontation and accountability because unfortunately the world has crept into the church. Individualism has crept into the church. And so the question is just start somewhere in your life. Start just opening up a little bit more. Just take one step. I want to show you a video that we show at Encounter 2. Some of you have seen this. But the beauty when people come together to bring their gift. And so we're going to make a symphony. Okay. Have you got that? Let's go, Christoph. 
But isn't it a beautiful picture of each one bringing their melody? What I love about the scripture in Acts is, is there's a sound from heaven. And I want to say there's a sound from heaven that God wants to release over his church. There's a sound from heaven that will astound the world when we come together. But it's not 100 individuals making a symphony. Is each one know their part and they bring their gift. They bring their fish and their bread. They begin to say, Lord, I'm not intimidated by that one that maybe has a more speaking gift or that one maybe that has a more intercession gift. The one isn't better than the others. When we put all together, we come into agreement. And so I want to invite you, but challenge you to begin to say, and I want to encourage you to deal with the issues in your heart that keeps you out of agreement with others. And start this morning with forgiveness. Start this morning with a culture of accountability in your life. Start, you be the first generation to say, no, this is going to stop. I'm going to do it. We're going to do it different because there's other generations that's going to come after us. That's going to say, wow, my granddad was vulnerable. My granddad was a man after God's own heart. My, my granddad wasn't perfect. But he served God with all of his heart and he loved God and he loved the people around him. He wasn't just an old man trying to defend his life and trying to just keep everything, you know. And you can see whether a family was there. It's just let that man die. And then you see how those kids fight for the inheritance. Isn't it amazing about the inheritance that Jesus left? It's for everyone. It isn't for a bunch of kids or churches to fight about. It's an eternal inheritance. And so God invites us to come to that place. God says, yes, I want you to come into agreement. So will you stand with me this morning? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.